I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 152, Will Social Media Harm My Kid? So um, I finally gave in. I didn't want to, but over Christmas, I got my 11-year-old daughter a cell phone. I realized... Either okay. I get her cell phone because you know she's involved in so many activities, and we've just kind of had a little bit of a difficult year. All, both of all of us staying in touch. So either I get her cell phone, or I start to pay the cell phone of her friends, which she's calling from all the time to reach me. <laughs> so um, we decided to get her her own phone, and you'll love it. I mean, I will tell you, Rena, I like being able to reach my kid, and my yeah. you know I got my younger daughter a cell phone sooner than I got my older daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's nice because I'll be like, all right, I'm five minutes away. I'm mm-hmm. on my way. I mean, it's it's nice to be able to text your kid. So I wanted to get her an Apple Watch. So we're just texting and that was it. And she can message back. And and I think it was because of social media. I just don't want her to have any social media. And I know this is horrible to look at the gender of kids. Like my son's a boy. He doesn't have social media either. But I would feel more comfortable letting him on than yeah. her. And um, anyway, she doesn't have social media. But we it just got us thinking, you know, um, and we got this incredible letter about looking at social media and how do you make sure it's a constant topic that it doesn't harm your kid. I'm going to read this to you, Lisa. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Lisa. I want to write in because I'm getting so worried about social media as my kids grow older and I have no idea how to navigate it. As a mom of three, ages 9, 12, and 14, I find myself at a loss when it comes to navigating this digital landscape. My oldest, who's in eighth grade, is starting to express a desire to get social media as she keeps talking about how all of her friends have it. However, I can't help but worry about the unrealistic standards it sets and how that could affect her development and self-identity. Am I crazy for not wanting her to get Instagram and TikTok? I want her to grow up like an average kid and not miss out on things her friends are doing. I just wish social media wasn't so toxic, especially for girls. Thank you. All right. First off, I love that this is a parent who has older kids and is still struggling with it. it. Makes me, who's on the early side of this, feel better. But do you think this parent is right to be worried? I do think there's plenty of data that tell us that we want to be really, really cautious about social media. The gender piece is trickier, I think, than the media has laid out for us. And I want to really unpack that. But I think. Part of what is so hard is that there have been these very, very terrifying headlines, you know, like social media is going to destroy your child. And what they've done is they've set their parents on really kind of a a collision course with their teenagers because, you know, we're getting this very, very frightening information about social media. And then we have, I mean, the fact that she's got a 14-year-old who still doesn't have it, like she's done an incredible job Mm -hmm. of holding it off. We have a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, you know, and often much younger kids who are lobbying really, really hard for it. And it really creates a tremendous amount of friction at home. And I think 
there's a more nuanced, subtler story about social media, when it's harmful, when it's not, what to look for, how to protect your kids, um, that doesn't always get across in the media. And that's the one that we want to try to dive into and really tease this apart a little bit because it is scary. And I know the headlines are scary. So is social media really worse for girls? Okay. Serena, here's how I want to answer that. Um, one of the, I'm not, the short answer is, I'm not sure. And we don't really know. But the media and the research we have right now suggest as much. But here's the problem. And I want to, um, this is sort of nerdy, but you know me. One of the things that I remember learning in my research methodology st classes, it was like a, a story they told us, is um, it's a story, it's a made-up story, but it's a great story. Um, a cop was walking down the street one night, and he sees a drunk guy looking on the sidewalk under um, a streetlight. And so he goes up to the drunk guy and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I dropped my car keys. And the cop says, are they here under the light? Or, you know, are they, are, is this where you dropped them? And the drunk says, no, but this is where the light is. <laughs> okay. So this is a great story when we think about research findings, research methodologies, is that sometimes we're only looking where we already have light because we're familiar with those areas. Mm. So one of the areas we're really familiar with researching is body image, girls, you know, how what girls look at affects how they think about themselves. We've been studying this, you know, since the days of magazines. And so there is a lot of research on the topic of when girls in particular look at very appearance-oriented social media, how does it affect how they feel about themselves? And lo and behold, it makes them feel lousy, right? So we have those findings. Okay, Rena. Here's what I'm hearing from kids. When I ask sixth and seventh graders, and I spend a lot of time doing this, when you're online and you're seeing stuff that you're not sure is okay, what are you seeing? Number one, I get two very different sets of answers depending on the gender mm -hmm. of kids I'm talking to. So girls as a group will say, I'm seeing kids being really mean to each other. That comes up a lot. They will say, um, I'm seeing some racist content. They will say, I'm seeing people sharing videos about other people that are mean. If I ask, they will say, yeah, there's some appearance stuff. And, you know, so, certainly kids can get themselves into algorithms where there's a lot of it. Okay. If you ask the boys, which research-wise, we've not done a great job of this. You know, when you are online, what do you see that may not be okay? And again, this is all anecdotal. My, like, you know, this is not crisp, clean, you know, gold standard research. Boys will be like, Tons of racism, tons of homophobia. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, anti-feminism, right? So not like, I mean, which is sexist, but not direct sexism, mm -hmm. but more like feminism is lousy, you know, which I guess is frankly sexist, but it's not the sort of flagrant misogyny, which also exists. And then boys are seeing all of this body image stuff around fitness, muscularity, you know, having a lean, you know, 30 pack, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like um, there's all these memes about it. All this stuff that's like completely crummy for boys. And I know it's crummy for boys. And I know that they're getting a lot of exposure too, but it's not a lamppost in our research literature. So you're hearing a lot about the harms and dangers for girls, which are real. That doesn't mean there aren't harms and dangers for boys. We're not asking, I think, the questions that would surface that yet. 
I'm so glad you flagged the boys and, and what what they are seeing from from your little small focus group there in, in of life, because I don't think we think often. There's so much attention on body image and mean girl action on social media, but we don't hear about that. The reality, Lisa, you're so good about technology, about being real of where we are in the moment um, and having good measure on that. Can we really ban social media? And what is, if there's like a gradual, remember we had the Surgeon General on to kick, a, kick off our season this year. And I believe he said he doesn't want his kids to have social media while they're in school, you know. Um, so what's your sense of when it's okay to introduce social media how much, how long? Is there any guidance, any research on that? Yes. So what I will say is what the research tells us, and this is also my guidance, don't give it to young kids if you can help it. And by young, I would say under the age of 14. What, um, 14, 14 is a real... So 14 is a really critical year neurologically. Um, it's the year, and again, you know, this is averages, so we're talking about bell curves. It's the year when kids get skepticism. When neurologically, the ability to like question and doubt things becomes available. And anyone raising a 14-year-old knows this because, you know, up until 14, you're like, you know, don't go outside with wet hair. And they're like, roll their eyes. And then at 14, they're like, that is nonsense. You are totally making that up, right? I mean, that they they start to challenge um, us in all sorts of ways. I remember um, one time walking into my grocery store I use every week and seeing a woman there who works there who I'd gotten to know, and she hadn't seen my older daughter for a long time. And she said, how is she? And I said, well, she's 14. And she smiled at me. I said, she is no longer buying what I am selling, right? Like this is the nature <laughs> of 14-year-olds. So, okay, it's a, it can be a pain in the butt at home. It's a really good way to look at social media, right? The problem with kids in their pre-skepticism phases is they take it in too whole right? Whatever's coming across on social media, they're not questioning it enough. So I would say 14, if you can get there, mm -hmm. absolutely. But you're asking about like, can you really do this? And here's what I will say, Rena. We do have research telling us to be cautious about social media. It can do harm. And, and we can get, I want to get us even de more deeply into like exactly how and why. The other thing that harms kids is social isolation. We know that too. Mm. Kids need friends. They really need friends. And so what you're in is this tension between how much social media will prevent social isolation. And you're basically weighing these two things against each other, which is not ideal, but that is the reality of where we often end up. I've always focused on all the negative side of social media, never thought about the isolation component. Lisa, I want to pause and take a quick break. On the other side of this, I want to ask you, if you could give us some rules, what are the generic general sort of rules that we should be following? And is there ever a moment we should be walking back social media? How do we how do we know? You're listening to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. I got the most amazing pair of boot cut black work pants that have been a game changer, all thanks to my stylist at Stitch Fix. The stylists understand your style, your size, your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It took a couple of tries for the stylist and I to really see eye to eye, and once they did, it's such a game changer. I asked for a pair of black pants that make my legs look good, and also would look good with a blouse or a nice top. They really nailed it. And then they found another cardigan for me that really works. I also love that they show you different styles of how you can put these outfits together. 
I love that it feels that she can read my mind now and we've got a rhythm to where all I do is say I need this type of wardrobe piece and she sends it to me and it fits and it works. Styles that make you feel as good as you look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash asklisa. That's stitchfix.com slash asklisa. stitchfix.com slash asklisa. I love doing laundry now because of EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze are these eco sheets that look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless, so you don't have that drippy goo from plastic jugs. EarthBreeze is really tough on stains, even odors. And if you've got teens, you know about those odors. Dermatologists tested, hypoallergenic, and also free of bleach, dyes, and parabens. Fragrance-free option is also there for anyone who wants it. So what EarthBreeze did was they got rid of the unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, and that includes babies. And I love that I just order online and the shipment comes right to my door when I need it. So right now, our listeners at Ask Lisa can receive 40% off of EarthBreeze. That's right, 40% off just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash Ask Lisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and get your 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash AskLisa. Did you know that most bedding is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? Luckily, one company is changing this standard for good. Bolin Branch Sheets, which you know I love, uses the rarest 100% organic cotton that's traceable from family farm to your family home. I have had my Bolin Branch sheets for a while now, and I love them. They feel like butter. In fact, I am so used to them now that when I travel, as I often do for work, I take my Bolin Branch pillowcase with me and I put it on the pillow in the hotel room so I can enjoy that softness at least on my face, even when I'm not sleeping in my own bed. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code ASKLISA at BolinBranch.com. That's BolinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ASKLISA. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We are digging deep into whether social media is harming your children. We're looking at gender. We're also looking at can you really ban it um, or limit it? And and the rules, Lisa, I guess that's where I want to pick up with you is what do you think the rules are the parents should have? I think the rules are, and I'm thinking about this letter writer, I think you provide as much social media is, as is needed to maintain the real friendships they have. I think that that's the key. So can you put a minute time limit on this? <laughs> no. 10 minutes a day? What's the... Well, that's... I mean, there's also time questions, but even in terms of like having access to a platform. So I have basically said to my younger daughter, I'm like, you are on texting until you cannot maintain your friendships mm. without more a platform. Like a lot of kids are on Snapchat right now. And um, my goal is to get her to 15 or older before she's on those. You know, I will... You know, we may end up in attention around this. We will sort it out. But, and she knows that's my goal. I've actually said, I said, you know, this is the problem. This is where it's better to be older. You know, I'm hoping you can maintain on texting alone. Um, I've been really clear on that. So you've what told I would, her 15 is your, what you believe is the good age to sort of have access to social media. If, if that can be when we start, I would be more comfortable with that 
Wow. Then certainly she knows at 13, like that's a non-negotiable, that's not happening. You know, but again, I have the advantage, Rena, of like, we've been having these conversations since they were little. I knew not, you know, like I, 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 I don't, I know there are a lot of parents who are like, well, rats, like my kid right. is 12 yeah. and has social media, totally. like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So we'll talk about that. So I think that that's, you know, ideally that's how I would have people do it. Um, and then I think there's things you can do to put some parameters around it. You know, I do not think cell phones should ever be in a bedroom, right? That limits how much time kids spend on social media. Mm-hmm. I don't think kids need every platform. They may need the one that helps them stay connected, right? So you can make a conversation about that. I also think when it comes to social media, there's a lot about what kids are doing when they're there, right? If they are mindlessly scrolling, Rena, and this is where some of the data can be very helpful to us. There seems to be a distinction between kids who are engaged on social media, commenting, posting, talking, versus kids who are just scrolling, 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 scrolling mindlessly. It seems like the mindless scrollers are much more harmed by social media than the kids who are engaged. That is some of the data we have. Although there's a bit of an asterisk, it may not be the same across all cultural groups. Um, It may not be the same for different ethnicities, like we're getting some early data showing that for Black teenagers, um, the distinction between scrolling and engaging may not be as clear in terms of the harms done. Why is that? Why is there that difference? We have no idea. Really? We have no idea. And and this is the thing. I mean, this is the thing. Even as I, you know, like run through these research findings, I get it. Like the way we have done the research and the way we communicate the research, if a lot of parents feel like they're like, forget it. Like this is confusing or this is overwhelming or this is not clear enough. You're right. You're right. Like we, I think we're struggling as social scientists to bring this across in a way that is useful. But I also think you and Irina can start to think through like, well, what are some basics? Like what are some parameters Mm -hmm. that can help parents feel not at the mercy of social media and also not at the mercy of a kid who is furious that they don't have it? Mm. So I want to go back to the parents or many of us parents out there who may have given social media early on, we just didn't know what to do. Can you claw it back? And if you do, how do you do that? I think it's hard. I think it's easier to claw it back if you can identify a problem, right? So the kinds of problems I would have people looking for at any point developmentally, but certainly in younger kids, is um, they, you know, are the algorithms are so alluring, which they mm-hmm. are, that the kid is spending way, way more time than they meant to, right? So then you might try to put some time parameters around it. I think the other thing to watch out for is like, what are they looking at, right? I mean, and if you have any reason to think that your kid has gotten pulled down some nasty algorithm rabbit hole, that is, for me, a situation that's, you know, very serious. And maybe one where you say, look, I just looked at your For You page, or I just looked at your feed, and like, this is so not okay. We're going to take a pause just so, you know, because you need to understand this is not all right. This Mm -hmm. is not acceptable. I think those kinds of things can make a difference. I think um, if a kid's not getting enough sleep, right, Mm -hmm. and the phone is in their room, you take it out. That's another way that you could put some parameters. So if you do need to try to walk it back, I think if you can say, you know, you're looking at it too much or what you're looking at is really, you know, awful or inappropriate or looking at it as getting in the way of your sleep, which is critical to mental health, then I think you have a leg to stand on in Mm -hmm. trying to... um, bring it back under control. You know, I tried to regulate and um, at one point my son was interested in Snapchat and I was, we were checking it out together and I accidentally 
hit like or something on one of this, like you're not supposed to. And he was so upset, so upset because I had done done that. But for parents who don't even understand some of these platforms that they're on, how do you check? How do you know that they aren't going down a rabbit hole? So this is why it's better to like keep it constrained and delay, right? Because it's very hard to supervise once you've mm -hmm. handed it over. I am a huge fan of common sense media org. It's a brilliant, brilliant platform. And they have really done the legwork on a lot of these social media platforms. So if your kid is lobbying for it, I would say go over to commonsensemedia.org. You will learn all about Snapchat, what to worry about, how to think about it. And that can be a place where you can have a, a shared conversation with your kid about, okay, maybe we can do this one you know, social media app, but we're going to do it with this shared understanding and with these rules coming out of the gate. The other thing I want to just underscore, because it's it's what I'm hearing from kids, but it's not what I'm necessarily hearing when we talk about the research. I've been pretty impressed by when kids talk with me about what's going on online, how much they talk about kids being mean to one another. And I suspect that the kids who are telling me about it are just witnesses to it. They're not themselves participating. Because I sort of feel like if you're doing it, you're probably not complaining about the fact that it's happening, right? That you're right. engaged in it. And it just, it's made me think a lot more about conversations we need to be having with our kids about what they witness online among their peer group, both because I think it's probably upsetting to them. And also, you know, I'm obsessed with norms. We don't want this to seem normal to them, mm. right? Kids being jerks online, kids making fun of each other, kids showing videos. And then, of course, kids posting images of them with their friends, you know, where everyone who's not included can see it, right? This is another source of a lot of pain. Yeah. These are the conversations I think we should be having to say, like, how are kids treating each other? Are they doing things that are hurtful? It doesn't mean you're going to prevent them. It doesn't mean you're going to shut it down. But you don't want your kid to think that this is just how people act. Mm. So having those conversations about things you think might be surfacing that they're seeing and letting them know it's not okay. It's not okay to talk that way about a certain race or gender or um, I guess. Or even just making fun of a kid in the class around yeah. You know, stuff that's not about, and you know, identity-based, just mean. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I think probably the way to have those conversations is to say, you know, are you watching kids be unkind online? You know, and, and, and ask in a way that makes it clear that you know, no one's in trouble. And then say, like, what do you think of that? Or what do you make of that? And, and then getting a conversation going about like, yeah, you know, it's not all right. And what does it feel like to see that all the time? And do you worry that because people are seeing it, they're starting to think like it's an okay thing to do if a lot of kids are doing it? Mm. So as we step back, I'm just curious, what's the big picture here with social media that regardless of whether your child is 10 or 16, what do we need to keep in mind? Because ultimately technology is here to stay and I want to create some good technological hygiene, if, if that's the word. You know, I want them to understand how to regulate and use it and navigate it that it doesn't take them down a rabbit hole. What would you say parents need to keep in mind when dealing with social media? So I would say delay, delay, delay if you can and minimize, right? They don't need all the apps, you know, whatever platform, the one that their friends are really, really using that they feel must be, you know, part of their life in order to stay meaningfully engaged, right? If you get to a point where you get there, like, I don't think they probably need all the platforms. They may need one, maybe two. 
Um, I think being really, really clear about where phones go and where they don't, I think is a way that we can keep some governors on this. I think keeping kids busy. I think there's value. I mean, we don't want to overschedule kids, but I also think kids, if they have enough to do with themselves, if they have jobs, if they have after school stuff, that can actually be a a meaningful way to limit how much time they have online. Um, And I think being really realistic about the fact that the harms are a wide range, right? They run all the way from um, kids, you know, spending time online that would be better spent elsewhere, right? That's kind of a, you know, one concern to, you know, kids witnessing a lot of meanness, to kids witnessing incredible, you know, racism and misogyny and, you know, sexism and homophobia, to kids, you know, getting trapped in algorithms that suggest that their body has to be incredibly thin or incredibly fit and that being the kind of thing that sparks an eating disorder, right? I mean, like, so the the range of harms is very, very wide. Um, what we want to do is talk with kids about the stuff at the upper end and our concerns about keeping those under control and why we're limiting and why we're delaying. And then for the things that are probably more unavoidable, the kids are going to see meanness, having that be a conversation that we just make clear. We're here to discuss it. We don't want that to come to seem normal. Um, but we're not going to judge our kid for the reality that that is coming across their screen. Mm. And I want to also ask you for parents who have decided, you know, to keep a close hold on social media and not to give access to it and, and wait as long as they can for cell phones and social. What's the other side of it as they're trying to protect their kid that they should also keep in mind? I think as long as their kid has friends. And feels meaningfully connected to their friends in real life. You know, the parent can kind of hold and 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 try to delay. I have, though, Rena, in my practice, come to a place where I've said to families, "Your kid's going to need texting now, right?" So it was texting that, like, you know, um, was the the parents didn't even want that. All the plans were made on text. Yeah. Everything was going on. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, these are sixth and seventh graders. They're not gonna be like, oh, and then call that person's parent or call their home phone, right? I mean, it's not gonna happen. So, you know, I have found myself recommending more digital access than the parent themselves was willing to give at the moment or had been giving because the kid was becoming totally isolated. Mm-hmm. And that is problematic. So Again, I mean, I wish this were simpler. I wish this were clear cut. It is not. But the bottom line is that this is the tension that you are trying to manage. You know, the potential harms of social media against the also real harms of social isolation and how do you delay, delay and minimize and minimize so that you can try to thread that needle. Mm. A lot to think about here. Um, But I have to say, I always love this about you when you talk about technology, about facing the reality of where we are and how important it is in life in general. Um, I understand delaying, but... um, we struggled and went through this and ended up giving her a cell phone way earlier than I thought I would. But um, if we give but it no social media, right? No social I mean, but media. But no, no social media, media right? And and the nice thing is if you don't start with it, you can hold it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing that's so key is giving a kid a phone doesn't mean that giving them everything. It can be a gradual process. It's really good. So what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? Here's something I've been thinking about, Rena. I think sometimes we can 
see our kids looking at social media and feel like it's just so dumb, right? I mean, even if it's none of the harms, even if it's, you know, none of the things to be worried about, it can seem kind of silly, right? That they're just spending time like looking at cat videos or sports clips. And and we can think, you know, I was actually just thinking about our episode about optimization. Like last week. They be, yeah. Couldn't their time be better spent, you know? Um, and I will say one way I have come to feel gentler about that is, um, I think about how much garbage TV I watched when I was a kid. I watched so (laughs) much Gilligan's Island. It was unbelievable. And so if parents are feeling anxious about the fact that sometimes their kids are just looking at mindless stuff, I would also say I think there's room for mindless stuff in being a kid, right? And maybe it's part of restoration is some mindless stuff. So let's also make the distinction between truly harmful things that kids should not be looking at and mindless stuff that's probably better for them than Gilligan's Island ever was for me (laughs) um, that can be part of, you know, healthy development and even maybe restoration. I think we should put Gilligan's Island on TikTok if it's not already, because that was a very special, special show. Yeah, I don't think it's going to hold up well, Rena. I think, I, th- I think it'll be very interesting to see how we re- how Gilligan's Island <laughs> lands these days. But I will tell you, you know, watch tons of Gilligan's Island and, uh, you know, live to tell the tale. <laughs> and next week, we're going to have a special Encore episode. How do you help your kids through divorce? I'll see you next week, Lisa. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.